Welcome to Dr. Warwick's podcast channel. Warwick is a practicing cardiologist and author with a passion for improving care by helping patients understand their heart health through education. Warwick believes educated patients get the best health care. Discover and understand the latest approaches and technology in heart care and how this might apply to you or someone you love. Hi, my name is Dr. Warwick Bishop and welcome to my podcast and videocast station. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing a colleague from the other side of the world. I've got Dr. Michael Zima, a cardiologist, a, uh, a man of my own heart who's joined me. Welcome, Michael. Thanks so much for making the time to speak with me today. Thank you for having me, work. Look, uh, just by way of a little bit of background, obviously you're in cardiovascular medicine, but a, 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 a potted summary of um, where your career is. And then, then we'll actually talk about your most recent undertaking, which was writing a book. And I'm really very keen to tease out some of the important issues around that. But first, a little bit about you. My background in clinical medicine is cardiovascular disease, but uh, during my 40 plus years in medicine, uh, I've been in a, a number of different silos uh, from uh, physician in training to practitioner to uh, chief of cardiology at a community hospital, chief of cardiology at an academic medical center, uh, vice president of an independent practice association, uh, board member of a physician holding company, um, professor of medicine at two state universities, uh, and uh, finally as a uh, physician clinical reviewer of a, a large national radiology uh, benefits manager. So I've worn a number of different hats, sometimes concomitantly. And so I felt that uh, I was uh, more than qualified to, to give uh, the reading audience a glimpse uh, at healthcare delivery from the inside out. Well, there's no, there's no question that your, your clinical um, and I guess administration expertise is, is deep um, and significant. So uh, I'm impressed by that uh, CV without question. And obviously it leads into the book that you've written, Mike, which is Modern Healthcare Delivery. Um, is it deliverance? or a debacle, and sort of what, really what prompted you to write this story? Why did you feel motivated to write a book? Because I know from my own experience, it's not easy to start to write a book. It takes a bit of work and a bit of time. Warwick, I was, I was struck uh, by the overall naivety, uh, not just of the lay public, uh, but of individuals involved with healthcare delivery at all levels, providers, uh, insurers, administrators, technologists, technicians, about a subject of such importance to everyone because sooner or later, everyone on the face of this earth will be involved in the delivery of their healthcare. And I felt that considering the misinformation that was out there, being propagated by the so-called pundits 
who often don't know the difference between Medicare and Medicaid, that I felt charged to finally sit down, spend the hours, years actually, doing the appropriate research, educating myself first, and then putting that down on paper so that others could finally get an, a proper understanding of the dilemma that we face today as a nation in healthcare delivery. So just obviously we're at the opposite sides of the world and obviously our healthcare systems are a little bit different. For those listening on my side of the world and for those who need a refresher on your side of the world, you alluded to Medicare and Medicaid. Just to, can you explain the difference of those in one line for the people listening? Right, well, they have one similarity and that is they were both uh, put forth by uh, President Lyndon B. Johnson uh, in the mid 1960s. Uh, Medicare was the health insurance, uh, traditional Medicare uh, provided uh, by the government uh, after people would retire uh, at age 65 uh, or who are on dialysis that was added later uh, at a younger age. Uh, but it basically was the uh, security network, if you will, in healthcare for individuals who would pay in uh, over their working years to pay their Medicare insurance premium, if you will, to finally have that benefit at the time of retirement. Medicaid, on the other hand, was uh, President Johnson's response uh, to trying to get healthcare out there for everyone in the country, particularly those uh, under poverty conditions. So Medicaid, Medicaid was our poverty program to bring people into Lyndon Baines Johnson's great American dream. So the uh, book, Modern Healthcare Delivery, really what was your focus of bringing that book, Deliverance or, Deliverance or uh, Debacle about this modern healthcare? Well, where were you seeing the main rubs? What, what were the main issues that really you wanted to bring forth to the people who read your book? Well, let's use the title as a segue to attempt to answer that, that question. Uh, in the Bible, deliverance is God rescuing his people from, from bondage. And whether it's in the Old Testament, in the book of Samuels, where he rescues his people from, from peril, or in the New Testament, Colossians, uh, where Christ triumphs uh, over the, the greatest peril of mankind, sin, and rescues people from, from Satan. Uh, deliverance is always rescuing someone from bondage or danger. You know, I think in today, in medicine, with the technology that is now available, coupled now with artificial intelligence, we finally have the potential on this earth to conquer illnesses that have plagued mankind for decades, if not centuries. The problem with that is, at least in our country here, the costs of delivering that care have now exceeded 18% of our gross domestic product, our GDP, and it's not sustainable. So the debacle is the financial debacle. The 
the potential for deliverance is there, but there are a number of hurdles which must be overcome lest we face a financial debacle and a collapse, at least in this country, of the healthcare system as we know it. When you started to formulate your ideas about this, Mike, I'm guessing that because of your own experience in cardiovascular health, uh, as I know my own journey, I've, I view everything through a cardiovascular prism to a large degree, at least from a starting point. Is it, was it really the space of cardiovascular disease that brought your uh, focus to this potential deliverance and debacle situation, or were you looking at a different part of medicine? I think I was calling upon all my experience, certainly the anecdotes that I pepper throughout the book, and I make no apology for it, even in the preface of the book, that I may show my bias now and then, uh, but those anecdotes come from my clinical years in the trenches, if you will, doing, doing cardiovascular medicine, in the experiences that I had dealing with other types of healthcare providers, uh, insurance companies, uh, pre-approval, pre-authorization, all of that served as an excellent background work in putting together on print the, the concepts and the problems that I attempted to elucidate in the book for the readers. Look, um, I love a story and I know people who listen to podcasts love a story. So would it be, would I be okay to tease you out on sharing one of those stories with us? And what I might do is because I think there's such a lot to this concept of what we're able to do and how we're able to deliver it. What I'd like to do is maybe share the story, if you'd be kind enough, maybe we touch on it a little bit more, but then I might wrap this up as a um, part one, and then maybe we could continue with part two in more depth about the book. Sure, sure. Well, a story might be uh, from, uh, I guess it's uh, chapter three entitled what the heck ever happened to Marcus Welby, MD? Now, Marcus Welby, for those who may not be familiar, uh, MD, was a show uh, broadcast on ABC network uh, in the 1970s here, starred Robert Young uh, as that avuncular family physician who was not only a healer of body, uh, but a confidant, a healer of mind, if you will, spirit also, who knew all his patients by name, their families, etc., cetera. Uh, and when we look at today's physicians, and again, I have hands-on experience in dealing with our, our trainees, uh, both in New York and in Tennessee, uh, I just did not see that type of level uh, of connection and when I would ask the trainees, why not? They would give me an answer. We just don't have the time like you did in your generation. Of course, that made me feel good, Warwick, in my generation. <laughs> but, uh, That's quite funny. But, you know, we're on the clock now, and we have a, an average in our country of a 12-minute visit, 90 seconds of which is utilized in relating the diagnosis the treatment options and the recommendation to the patient. We just don't have the time to have those relationships. And, you know, I thought about that and I said, 
how did we get to that point? And I discussed that in detail with the book, uh, how we evolved that through the insurance reimbursement system, uh, through the escalating costs of delivering that medical care from the provider's perspective, et cetera. But I realized that doctor-patient and doctor-doctor communication was deteriorating right in front of my eyes over decades, but it was happening ever so slowly until it finally has eroded. You know, it's a concern. It's, I think <laughs> that's, that story really is concerning, particularly the residents are talking about different generations just not doing what's critical in medicine, which is connecting with patients. And I know I have some dealings with medical students. I get them to sit with me during a consulting day. Um, there's really only three things I want them to get out of that day. I put, ask them to put their notebooks away because I'm sick to death of people writing notebooks and missing the major picture, if you know what I mean. And I say, look, there's three points I want you to get. The first is people don't care how much you know until they know. Until they know how, how much, much you care. Yeah. Number Correct, Warwick. Correct, Warwick. Number uh, one. And this is exactly what you're talking about. Number two is the job is a privilege. And that's across the range. We get the chance really to make a real and meaningful difference in people's lives. And we get paid for that, which is extraordinary. And the other is really an obligation to do what's required for every patient. But that number one is exactly what you're talking about. And one of my own frustrations as well, which I work on, actually, we all have to do that. In this country, that, that was the birth of concierge medicine. Yeah, when physicians and patients who had the wherewithal, at least, finally got fed up enough with being treated, with being uh, punctuated after twelve, an average of twelve seconds of their conversation before they'd be punctuated by the provider who had to stay on the clock to get to the next patient, and you know that was the birth of a whole different type of medical field. Well. Uh I'm absolutely sure we've got a lot of stuff in common around the way we think patients, patient care, the journey through a disease process should be covered. And I'm sure um, that we will find more to talk about in part two of this, because I'm going to wrap it up now. Uh, we've gone more than I thought we, should, <laughs> we were going to go, but we'll wrap it up and we'll come back for a part two. Um, so, Thank you for those listening. I hope you've enjoyed this first stage. I'm going to say goodbye to Mike for now. He'll say goodbye as well. Yes, goodbye. And uh, Warwick, thank you again so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. We'll be back with a part two. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Take care. Bye for now. And please don't die from a heart attack. <laughs> Take care. You have been listening to another podcast from Dr. Warwick. Visit his website at drwarwickbishop.com for the latest news on heart disease. If you love this podcast, feel free to leave us a review.